Welcome to Live with Greg or Live with Greg, depending on semantics. <laughs> Been a minute. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, here for the uh, seasonal closer of Love with wow. Greg. With Bob Wurtzberger. So, one of the things, like, you know, you're just coming out of therapy, chemotherapy. Well, now you're not really out of it, but for liver cancer. Uh, no, it was a colorectal that had metastasized to my liver and to an adrenal gland. And uh, we've made great progress, but the doctor said there's probably still some lighter chemo treatments and an operational procedure or two to go. And as I progress through this treatment, I've learned to be much more patient. It's probably going to be three to six months before we really get to the light at the end of the tunnel or the light goes off at the end of the tunnel which I'm a big fan of the light being on at the end of the tunnel in my case and others too I don't wish um, my sympathy to anybody who's undergone chemotherapy or who has family or friends that have gone through these procedures because it's extremely difficult and uh you're good people for doing what you're doing to help out family or friends. Okay, with these conditions. Okay, I'm not going to tear up. I almost did. You are tearing up. Because <laughs> you said in June, like, you thought you were dead. I didn't think I was dead, but I was uh, weak. And the doctor had recommended I go in for to have um, hydration treatments. I ended up going in for two later, and I should have at that point. But, you know, you're not thinking real clear. I got down to 20 pounds lighter than I am now. Um, fell a few times. Uh, was just super weak. And then I told him I need some time off. Then I gained, like, 50 pounds over the next five weeks. Uh, yeah, probably. Anyway, it worked. So now I'm holding my weight in the 160 to 170 range during chemo, which... He said I should be 170 anyway, and I said I was 170 when I was 19. So, 40 years later. Down to your perfect weight. Yes. Courtesy of cancer. Yes. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. It's quite the weight loss um, option if you want it, but I don't encourage people to lose weight this way. Okay. So, uh, have you had any profound changes of your outlook on life? Um, just came to realize how much my immediate family cares about me. And they really came through, and they still are coming through, and my hat's off to all of them. From top to bottom, I could name them all, but there's nine, so they take up half the episode, probably. But in particular, Jane and David and Debbie, you know, and Paul and Ruth and Bill, I'm going to name them all. Kathy, <laughs> Carrie, um, Susan. You know, without their support, I might not have gotten through that. Uh, and Kathy, through that uh, rough spell, it was about a month. And Kathy and her husband were here visiting from the great state of Washington near Portland. 
and they helped me through. My sister was terrified, and I said, I'm going to make it, and I did so far. So four months later, three months later, sorry, I'm here. I, uh, I'm not leading my Fitbit class anymore. I never was in one. But, <laughs> but it's gone for sure now. <laughs> pretty, pretty much, yeah. I was very fortunate that a couple years ago, they uh, I had been quite a avid Ultimate Frisbee player. If you're familiar with the sport, it requires a lot of yeah. skill and, and endurance and uh, speed and whatnot. And pretty much gave it up in my mid-40s and then decided to start playing again in my early 50s. And then they came up with a 15-over division, and I was fortunate to get picked to play on this team for the Bay Area. Then in 2017, won the inaugural um, national championship. My hat's off to that entire team. They all contributed mightily. And then the next year, we came in second. And the next year, I formed my own team that didn't win a game, but we had a hell of a time. So I got to do that. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm no Lance Armstrong. I doubt I'm going to make the uh, turnaround to competing (laughs) adult in my 60s. Well, he had some help. Oh, that's right. That's true. I forgot. Well, I'm getting him as part of my therapy. I'm getting steroids, so... Every two weeks. So maybe you will have a turnaround. Yeah, you know, you can tell I was just building up my guns. Uh, <laughs> well, for an almost sixty-year-old. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm surviving. That's that's the main thing. Um, I have to blow my nose real quick. Is that going to part? So, you know, the frisbee stuff was great. I'm glad I did it. And the other thing was that tournament in 2017, there were all these folks I'd played against at the national championships in 84 and 87. And you got to see guys from Boston or New York or Chicago. You hadn't seen in 30-odd years. And it was like time had not passed. Or St. Louis in particular, that they were playing with Colorado. Um, Because I had one guy who's an avid musician Loved playing music with me. Loved me bringing out the guitar and playing blues, and then him blowing the harp. Randy Rex, real character, and he does like a weekly, uh, or he was doing a weekly blues show in somewhere near Denver or Boulder. I'm not sure. He lives somewhere over there. It's a big state. Okay, so that's the frisbee stuff. Would you play? Like, when you, when you were there, did you go oh, on absolutely. stage? The, no, absolutely. We didn't go on stage. But the third year, we well, we formed Demento, which only had four original members. So it was great. These guys from the Bay Area rallied. And we got a team together. And we were competitive. We, we played some of the top teams rather closely. We just couldn't win a game. And um, which I have no, no regrets over. Everybody on that team got to play all they wanted and played as best they could. You know, I was fortunate to play on the all-star team. And then, you know, the other team, we played with grit. We just weren't quite um, the caliber. And we all knew that. But we got to compete. Um, It was quite an experience. A fun one. I don't know if I answered the question correctly, though. Is there a fly in my head? Good one. Your hair's not wide enough for it to right, show right, up. Right. <laughs> Blends right in. <laughs> uh, 
I think I could pass that up. That was good. Sorry. That's <laughs> Damn, where do we go from here? I don't know. Um, all right. Ellen goes out to you, Kamala. <laughs> I'm right. talking. I'm talking. <laughs> well, she does. it was a good thing she made her point. Yeah. Because uh, that first, it was, Trump will listen to anybody, unfortunately. And just, I think he lost followers because of his behavior of no quarter, no, I'm not listening to anybody, I'm going to keep on talking as long as I possibly can, even though there were ground rules that both parties had agreed to abide by. But, you know, I digress. We could go on that topic We could go on forever about all kinds. We're pretty much in agreement for what I've picked up. This afternoon. Yes, so far so good. Yeah. Um, all right. So music. Still playing. Uh, a good friend of mine, Sandy Coldiron, who's quite an accomplished musician. He's on SoundCloud and whatnot. Um, started digging through some old recordings and asked me to go through my stuff. And I'm in a punk band called Chicky Bob. That everybody's except the bass players, 15 over, I think. So it's, it's a lot of fun. How old's the bass player? Uh, he's, he is the son of a friend who passed, but who was very, his father was very influential on my playing in the late 80s, early 90s. His dad was great. Um, his son's 32, maybe 30. I think he just turned 30. But I knew his son when he was... I was their neighbor when he was, you know, two feet tall. Sounds like a Van Halen scenario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, I was at that uh, the 78 show when they opened for Black Sabbath. I was supposed to be Black Sabbath's final tour in 1978. I was at that show, and I think it was the last show at the Oakland Coliseum. At the Coliseum. It was in December, a week before Christmas or something. I go, got to go to this. And Van Halen was phenomenal, as was um, Black Sabbath. I mean... You know, you're a kid, you're you're into these types of music, and then you see these people perform, and you're like, wow, if I could ever get that good. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried. But I, I you develop your own style. What was interesting was Eddie Van Halen was self-taught, which blew me away. I thought he was classically trained as a child, but, but that was amazing. Yeah. And then all his, his Les Paul-isms of... Altering guitars, you know, yeah. to get the sound he wanted, yeah. and that's pretty. Well, he and Les, you know, Les Paul's the one who did all the changes with recordings. He's the reason four track even came to fruition. Les Paul multi track, yeah, 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 Les Paul. And then Eddie's like, well, he did this, I can do this too, and he started taking different parts of different guitars together to get that modulation. It's pretty fascinating. It is. You know, the, go ahead. The, well, the interviews that have been coming out since his mm-hmm. passing have just my um, admiration for who he was as a musician and what he did has just gone through the roof. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are. You know, a lot of it, we were there in the beginning. Yes. We heard the first couple albums, and I kind of drifted away once they became... He still respected their right. stylist. I mean, it's, right. it's gone on through my entire adult life. You like a lot of bands, their first album or two. Then they become part of the music machine where they have to be... I mean, they don't have to, but um, 
the percentage of the album is stylistically, I think, formatted to make money. That's just me. And I know they're still being artistic and whatnot and creative, but a lot of artists have to, you don't keep your record contract unless you sell a certain amount of albums. And he still just tore it up musically. That was the funny thing. You go, okay, here's another album. It's going to be David Lee Roth on fire doing backflips across the stage on stage. And then you hear what Eddie's doing. You go, my God, he still got it, you know? Yeah. And I've never really... I mean, when I was a kid, yes. And then you get older and you get introduced to Americana and reggae and old blues and old country. And that has never gone away from me. My appreciation of, again, I did this in another interview, but the Dave Alvins and the Lucinda Williams and um, Blasters and X. I mean, X was punk, but um, those bands that were doing trying and they successfully did this for a certain segment of our population they reintroduced a style of music and because they did that it never went away and it probably wouldn't have anyway but I mean there's a great band um, Devil Makes Three and they actually hung out here for a while and you know you can see their influences and it's you know a lot of it's that campy kind of um, vaudevillian jazz. I don't know how to describe it. Kind of like that New Orleans feel. Same, absolutely. You yeah. know, and just I saw them play a year ago. They were great. Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, we were able to like sit there, but it was just interesting to, to uh, you know, it's neat when even what's his name? I mean, he's really famous. God. I can't. The guy from Hawaii, Happy. The guy who wrote Happy. Um, oh, um, wait. Brings back rhythm and blues. Really, well, really. I, well. I need love to keep the Stones guy. No. Happy. 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 Oh, happy. oh. Pharrell Williams. No, it's not Pharrell no. Williams. He's good too. I mean, when they bring back, when they delve into the old rhythm and blues, and which is what all rock and roll, oh, you know. From the yeah. Stones to Black Sabbath owes it to rhythm and blues. Even though Black Sabbath is more straight ahead rock and roll or, you know, metal, whatever, um, it all started with Chuck Berry and Elvis and whoever, you know. And even before that, the exactly. blues, blues. Exactly. You know. Sure. That's Robert Johnson. Is Absolutely. The famous one, but right. there's the so old, many. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lightning Hopkins, whoever, you can just... You can out of James. I mean, what goddess, man. I, her voice, I've got a 1980 album, Vinyl Kids. It's these black um, discs that are about 12 inches, and you put them on this rotating device. And this thing called the stylus, it has a little needle, and it lands on it, and then it starts projecting. Okay, that's witchcraft. Life sounds. <laughs> I know it takes effort. You have to actually pull the album out of oh, the sleeve. <laughs> how do you carry that around with you? Uh, well, you keep... Uh, I got a couple. There's my 100 <laughs> albums or so. But um, here we go. 60s Dance Party. Where do we go with Steve? We'll put Steve Ray on front. front. That's I don't think it's even on camera, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
I remember listening to that stuff. I remember, God, you turned me on to Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Right. I mean, there's, there's just so much great music and so many different people. I can't, think, I can't believe I can't think of that guy's name. He was on the Super Bowl, like the guy. That was Pharrell, was it? No. Oh, wait, you think of um, Bruno Mars. Yes, Bruno Mars. Yeah. Okay. Guy can play drums as well as any rhythm and blues drummer and proves it. And then he's bringing back Smokey Robinson. Yeah. You can, you can, you know, all music's borrowed from the beginning of time. And it's so great when you hear it. It's like when the Black Crows first came out. Go, God, this is like Exile on Main Street by the Stones. It's really cool. And yeah, sure, it sounds somewhat like it, but. If you're going to use a great reference point, Excellent Main Street, in my opinion, it's one of the top ten albums ever made. Um, there's always groundbreakers. You know, you just go on and on. Um, anyway, in any style. Okay. Do you think music you bring has music? been... Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> this is... like Part of what I wonder about is what... Do you stay... What are the passions in your life... Right to stay alive during true and a lot of people it's either listening to it dancing to it playing it all three um music integral part of almost everybody's life i think in in different proportions you know there's times i'll go on i want to listen to music for four hours straight and other times i don't listen to it for three days but whatever um this recent endeavor dragging up some old recordings and uh and then Sandy wanted me to learn some of her material, which is going to be fun. Um, it's great because it reminded me of stuff, positive things going on 15, 20, 25 years ago that were so just diving into the music. It got my mind off so many things, and it was positive. And then people were appreciative. I had a real good creative streak from 99 to 2004 or five, where I wrote a lot of interesting stuff. 7-Eleven, which I'll have to play today. All right. Um, you want to play yet. it now? Sure. This is the song about a 7-Eleven, which was a block or two away from where I lived 20, 25 years ago for about five years, and it was about a lot of the characters who hung out in front. And I got and some of them I already knew, and you start getting known by, by name. It's, the environment's kind of changed. It seemed so carefree back then, the homeless people I knew, and now it's they're, they're on a mission. I don't know what the mission is yet. But they're on a mission. I'm just standing back going, you guys go on your mission. Good luck. And I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen.
7 Eleven. Ain't got no phone in. It's 7 Eleven. And there's Evan with a bottle of mustard tail. But I'm living on personal hell. Ain't got no phone in. Falsetto on the uh, chorus, but my voice is really raspy. Sorry, I hit the high notes and I can't do it today for whatever reason. Well, might be chemotherapy related. <laughs> Near death experience. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, haven't felt death like in a while. But yeah, I went through a good week period in June where I was like, "Am I going to make it?" Actually, when I was handing handing, I was. Leaning on that doorway and just slowly sliding to the ground uh, <laughs> and landed on my shoulder. And I'm going, this isn't good. There's something wrong. Damn. But they let me take a break. And now we're back into it and it's working. And, you know, my doctor, Dr. S, I'm allowed to say Dr. S, has right. been phenomenal, as is all the staff of receptionists and nurses and security at Dignity Health, UC Davis, in Woodland. Wow. One more time. Dignity Health. Big fan. Woodland. Woodland. So you see Davis Satellite in in Woodland. They've got them in in SAC, Woodland, and Davis. The Triumvirate. There is a joke in there, because I heard UC Davis was primarily for people interested in veterinary work. Yeah. So. (laughs) But their medical school uh, has gained renown. Um, That's good. Yeah, especially the Sacramento's. I mean, anything closely affiliated with UCSF, too. Yeah. They probably get a lot of that, but, I mean, they're both wonderful institutions, to my knowledge. Well, I'm still alive. Uh, yeah, there you go. Case in point. Yeah. So. Wasn't there, there was a 7-Eleven in Mill Valley that you used to frequent. Yeah. I'd like to hear some of those stories of David Crosby at 3 in the morning. Oh, uh, well, when I was working at a 7-Eleven, 
Uh, is that the one he worked at? No, it was in Corte Madera, Madera, just over the hill. Okay. And Steve Perry came in one night and got two cases of Budweiser. All right. How was he? Seems like a nice he guy. He was very nice. He saw that I recognized him, and he was very kind about the whole thing. Yeah. And we both just kind of let that be. And Sure. Yeah, that was that. It's weird. Yeah, I think I've come across a few famous people, but I don't... Um, you don't want to bother him, you know. And he's kind of look over and going, "Is that really who I think it is?" But they get enough of that from, you know, thousands of people worldwide. Yeah. But to handle it, that's the thing, you know. Uh, how people handle fame, and some handle it better than others. But my goodness, to have people just throwing everything at you, money, you know, nice. groupies, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about some of the things that went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but let's dwell on the positive. Um, you know. well, do you have any regrets at, about inebriation in your life? <laughs> you know, I wrote a song. What? I wrote a song called Inebriation. Did you really? Well, I've had a few moments I do regret, but I can't do anything about them. So, um, been, God, on the up and up most of the year. I've had not had many beers to drink, so I'm not allowed to. Well, I am, but I'm not going to. Um, yeah, of course. I think everybody has regrets in life, but it's whether you want to move on and do something positive, which I think I have in a lot of ways, especially um, my profession. I think I got into xeriscaping. I mean, it's not all native plants, but a lot of low water use plants re-landscaping yards from grass to uh, lawns to low water use. They attract birds and, and and bees and whatnot, a lot of these plants, and they that continues the life cycle. If plants get pollinated, they grow, or they actually will get fruit or vegetables, and then we'll have life fruit and vegetables. Life can continue. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, lawns are fine. I just a client got me into doing that, and all of a sudden, everyone and their uncle wanted me to transform or, or maintain. Now I'm down to just barely working for anybody. I'm only allowed limited amount of hours because I'm getting my disability in the what hundreds of thousands a month. You're living well. Yeah, it's not. It's, <laughs> I know. It's it's mid mid hundreds. Um, yeah, but it's something. And. Uh, as you can tell, I live in a palatial estate. <laughs> the gold walls behind me. Yes, I painted the gold walls. Whenever I need money, I just scrape a little of the paint off. I've been watching Bering Sea Gold. They're teaching me all the tricks. Very good. No, you just scrape it off the wall. That's gold. Really? <laughs> wow. They have to go under go in 25-degree water under ice, two feet of ice. You learn a lot watching that stuff. You know, oh, there's people crazier than anybody I know. <laughs> but they're making money doing it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's entertaining. Do you have any um, dreams about your future that you'd like to... Uh, I just want to be able to live hopefully another decade and just do my... play music with friends and do my little bit of gardening just to get out of the house keep up the relationships I have with them. You know, you get older, I think you realize this too, you end up having fewer 
close friends, but in the long run, that's really, they are your friends till the end. Um, nothing against the others, but um, you just, you, you reduce the amount of people you stay, I do anyway, or I have, and a lot of people I know I have. Um, hoping we get out of this pandemic and we return to some sort of normalcy and hopefully we've learned what really my biggest wish is that we've learned a society that's just based on riches, amassing as much riches as possible for a low percentage of the population is not good for all of humanity I don't think it is, I think we could be a little fairer in the distribution of wealth yeah. do you think that it's plausible for that change to occur if well people have to have a soul first off they have to care about others beyond their own well-being so you may have a point human nature is in of itself selfish you're taught that in any sociology class the first week um you're also taught that the basic unit of society is the family. So one good thing I think this pandemic has brought together is families closer and tighter. You have kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you feel closer now or do you feel, or you did? I mean, you know. I always felt, felt close, close to them. Right, right. And um, I think I trust my closeness more now than more. But I don't think that was the pandemic. I think that was me maturing as a father yeah. and seeing that they're living their life and trusting yeah. that. Well, and that's, you know, we need a, that's the other thing. I just, I hope folks have an easier time raising their kids and, you know, people can get along and that's, I think the disparity in wealth in some ways does cause a lot of friction, obviously, in our society. Um, one of my dreams would be that we could create jobs and education for the lower spectrum, the lower third of our society to at least have an option of, you know, making a better life for themselves. It seems like so few do. I think there, I don't know the statistics. It's probably a lower percentage of, of some folks getting out of the despair they live in than they were doing 20 years ago. Maybe I'm wrong. You know? But um, we've, again, created a us against them in a lot of situations, big cities, rural against big city. Um, and it should be, you know, there's enough uh, wealth, whatever you want to, you know, Farming, we've got everything we need. Water, we really do. We just need to, we've got solar. We've got means to provide energy for everybody and focus on cleaning up the damage we've done. I don't know if we can. I'm hoping we can. You know? I know, it's going to be a big job. Well, there's a part of that big job is everyone on board that damage is done. I just saw the VP debates. Right, right. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, it's a shame. Well, I guess I don't even want to think about. I, I do want to think that through battery-operated stuff and solar-operated, and you know, you do have to pipe it, but natural gas. Um, 
is a way to reduce, and we already have reduced our dependency on foreign interests, but we need to get it down to zero, and we need to get our emissions down to, you know, base baseline. We have to. And people with children have, have to, and that they do realize that they think if they want their kids. I've got nieces and nephews. I want them to have a habitable planet in 20 years. You know, yeah. I've recently got an electric car and whatever. Um, get some step in the right direction. A hybrid. It's not fully electric. Yeah. That is a step in the right direction. Yeah. Well, uh, 2035, Newsom wants us all to happen. Right. They'll build strong enough. They already are. Now there's electric trucks that, you know, right. are, have power. Right. So that used to be the issue. Is do they have the cargo, the ability to lug cargo like a gas or well, diesel? May never have the power that diesel has, but diesel is such a dirty um, fuel. Sorry, diesel industry. That's that's what I've read in the paper and in a few books. Uh, anyway, I think I answered the question. I think so. Um, well, hold on. May I speak? Yes. <laughs> I'm She had a point, and Biden had a point. It's, uh, I do want to say this. Those guys are coming across, at least in my estimation, as gas bags and blowhards when they won't let, when they, they have agreed to a 30-second or 15-second or two-minute limitation, and they exceed it by 30 seconds. It's like, it's like growing up and your dad trying to make that point for the 20th time, and my dad was great at it. It's like, Dad, I got it right the seventh time. Yes. <laughs> we got to keep on going. Just ingrain it. Okay. My dad was a Republican. Sorry. Um, my mom wasn't. But my dad did say one thing before he died. I think they're right about this hemp thing. And he was right. No, he's perfectly logical thinking. We can build all our building materials out of hemp, another renewable resource. But why would we want to do that? It'd create thousands, hundreds of thousands of jobs. It would reduce our reliance on the forest, which is all burning in the ground. Um, it would leave old growth. Let that stay there. That's still standing, most of it, right? Yeah, I know. It's kind of terrifying. Okay, what's next? You mentioned the soul. The soul? The soul being Any a part soul? of humanity. Well, you know, I've, I'm not truly... I, I guess I'm spiritual in a different way and not in a practicing sense, but I do think the world is some kind of, their nature is a symbiotic relationship where um, something that happens here can totally screw up something over there. We see how weather systems, you know, rotate around the world. The smoke from the forest fires here went all the way to Europe. It's unbelievable. And I think we're, I, I still think we should all be wearing our masks. The particulate matter that burns, you know, that is released when a dryer or washing machine in one of these poor people's houses who burn down my deepest sympathy for all you people, um, their cars, the PVC, whatever, they release toxic particulates that are coming down in the same air that smells like a, for, you know, a campfire. It's way more dangerous. You know, even if the air quality says whatever, I, sorry, I'm taking 
NIH is word over wearing the mask to prevent. They get right in your upper lungs and just screw everything up. You know. So in light of what you've been through personally. Yes. And then what you are witnessing to and witnessing globally, socially. What do you have hope in life, especially humanity's part to life? Um, well, that things like war and whatnot cease, and it just becomes a hands-off policing thing, which has kind of gone on in the Middle East. I mean, there's still radical factions, and you know, people would say, well, you know, the army's at... I think the army's just trying to control it to keep it from getting worse, and I think that's happened. I don't have all the details, but you don't hear about ISIS in the news every day. Um, hoping we can figure out a way to better the lives, and we've tried, and they're learning it themselves. And things have advanced so much in, in places like Africa and South America and well, the Brazilian president. I just, yeah, I don't want to, I don't know everything. But, yeah, he's letting the fires, the forest just burn to the ground. Um, hopefully we get a more open mind about the effect climate change has had on all of us. And, you know, we're the leaders of, supposedly, we were the leaders of the free world. Um, I don't know what we are now. <laughs> Let's hope we get back to that. Excellent teenagers. Right, exactly. <laughs> if we could just get back to some kind of adult position of leading by example, which, the, you know, I believe a lot of places in the world have, Europe in particular. Um, you know, uh, create situations where people don't want to be refugees, where they're happy, where they're living. That's probably the biggest issue that's going to come up, and it already is for the next 20 or 30 years, creating situations in Guatemala and whatever, pick a country, you know, where the people are paid a fairer wage, where they have clean water, you know, whatever country, clean water, third world country, um, you know. Do you think you can be a, a part of that change in this last part of your life. Last part can be 40 years, could be whatever, it's right? It's 10 if I'm lucky. Um, wow. Well, I'm trying to just, you know, we're kind of locked down here, and uh, climate, well, I mean, I don't know, I don't always make the correct purchases at the store. Something's in a plastic container, and you're like, well, I really want that item. <laughs> so the ease of it. I don't, yeah. Um... Things with the pandemic going on, it's really created a situation that's. I think my biggest contribution has been in people's private yards, in their yards, converting them to lower water use, but promoting. You know, the farmers are doing all. The farmers are so far ahead of what people think, um, at least with promoting healthy, in most cases, at least out here. They're very progressive. Even the, the corporate ones are doing the best they can, I think. Like Maybe even the huge sunflower fields? Yeah, well, what's that, what's that doing wrong? It's encouraging like 8 billion bees to come over and go, wow, look at all these blooms. Holy cow. 
I mean, I don't know. And smoke's not good for bees, but they're they're still making it through all this. Yeah, that's the thing. If we don't have bees, and if, <laughs> if we run out of bees, we're gonna have to start manufacturing food. You know, yeah. right? Yeah. So I don't know. I have. It's gotten too heavy on the international and you know save the world stuff. I I can't do it. I, we can. The world can try. So we can all try collectively, but asking one person, I mean, I can try to do my own little things, and I know there's things I don't do correct. Again, some of my, you know, plastic, it's like, but they won't let, I used to bring in my own bag all the time, they won't let you do that anymore. So what do you do? Or I guess you bring it out to the car and then you rebag it. I thought of that, I just thought of that recently, going, duh. When I went shopping this morning and I forgot to bring bags to rebag it. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, it'd be fun to play some more shows and have, you know, just personally. And see, I've had a lot of fun. Debbie's band, my sister Debbie, uh, fronts a band called the Diablo Rhythm Wranglers, and they're really good. They play a lot of. Oldie but goody Texas swing and old country numbers, you know, big iron on his hip and whatever, songs of that ilk. And she'll open up for some of the punk shows we do, and it's really fun because we'll have these people dressed up in their 40s and 50s era country gear, you know, and then we come on looking like minor threat or whatever, just jeans and a T-shirt. Um, we're not as good as Minor Threat, but we're okay. Minor Threat was in and of itself its own entity. I don't know Minor Threat. Uh, Ian Mackay, uh, Fugazi. Okay. Came from Fugazi. that. Okay. Um, well, and then if I had this other guy here, he'd name 3,000 punk bands I've never heard of. You know, but that's something to be said about that do it yourself thing, which was what a lot of the punkers did in the late 70s, early 80s, and they're still doing it now. You know, we're. F- not quite as ambitious, but we're still putting on our own shows in our 50s when, well, when we can. In here, I could have like f- six people watch the show. We've had shows in there. It's the last. Oh, yeah. Like 30 people, like right here. It's unbelievable. It's really fun. And this time of year, because like you'll get up to like 80 and not too hot, so you can have the band play inside. And we only open that window up. So all whatever sound goes that way, and that's all being demoed anyway. Um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know what's more fun than getting a group of like-minded people together, and you know they may not have to be like-minded; they're just there for the music, but just having a good time and people playing what they want to play. And no, it isn't on the top ten anywhere, but. Um, it's still some fairly decent music. It's fun. You know, Mike does it. I know. Um, did a show with him. God, that was 15 odd years ago. That was so much fun. They came up to the Duke when I lived at a house on Duke Drive, which uh, we were in the habit of doing a big show every two months. And we, we got bands from Canada, the Million, million Dollar Marxists from Ottawa. They were something else. The guy was hanging from a 4 by 12 rafter by one arm and singing. Wow. It was great. They were so entertaining. 
And then Hightower from San Francisco played, and then Mike came up with uh, what's the name of his band? Well, he's got a couple, but was it the Healer Trio? Or? This was the band that played Golden Years. Um, the Wawa player. Right, right. Um, um, Thieves of Reason. Thieves of Reason, yep. Yep. No, so we need more of that. Yeah. Reasonable Thieves, not just yeah. Yeah. going in and swashbuckling. <laughs> <laughs> we rob from the rich and stay rich. Yeah, it's just well, that's the other travesty is the billionaires have made more. They've made more money during the pandemic. It's just ludicrous. I'm sorry, but these people need to be taxed something. And I know they pay taxes, but come on, who's not happy with making a hundred billion a year? Yeah. Oh, I guess that, well, most of them because they're trying to make two hundred billion. Right. Right. They want to buy a country? Oh, they've already bought America. Or Russia did, or some oligarch. Oh, I better be quiet with my conspiracy theories. Now they're going to shoot you. <laughs> to kill me. Well, would you like to end with another song, or would you want to just end? Let me think. Oh, I'll play a song, Gary. It's a good one. This kind of sums up the attitude of... Um, my apologies for my voice, but... Oh, well. Thank you very much, Greg. It's been a wonderful experience. Thanks, Bob. All right.